Let's kick things off there with Makwe. And uh, Makwe, I, I hope you're on the line there, bro. Who's it? Yes, my brother. I am on the line. Yes, 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 yes. Makwe, before we get to some of the big stories, uh, you know your friend Tito tomorrow uh, is delivering the um, medium-term budget policy statement. Now, uh, I know in February we were there at the lockup and uh, had some very interesting chats there with you, Makwe. What are your expectations just for this one before we get into Brimstone, the World Bank, and everything else we're going to talk about? You know, uh, since the February budget and since the adjusted budget that we had four months back, it's very difficult, you know, to really think what will the guys be doing. But we know normally midterm budget gets to be used as one of those stages where if there's a need for them to increase taxes come next year, February, they'll be preparing us. And I think they will hear something like that because we know they've always talked about the deficit already of 300 billion. We know we don't have money. Even other guys don't want to give us money because we don't that they're giving us funny conditions that seemingly we don't like. So I think the whole thing here, we expect them to tell us where are we going to get the money to deliver on what the president just tabled uh, two weeks back. And more importantly, we hope they will be able to convince us, mm. investors, and the general public that this time around Ayaboga, things will be implemented. This time around, whatever they come with will be realistic because at the end of the day, the plans will appear, you know, on paper, but we've been failing. Number one, we don't have money. Number two, even if instances where you do have money, one unable to implement it. Just quickly look with this whole thing with the JSE construction stocks. They just show you that they're not buying the story of the infrastructure spend that the president is talking about. They're not even moving because they've been disappointed before. But we hope this time around they will use the opportunity and they should have learned from their previous mistakes not to miss the spot but to at least make sure. And they don't have to promise us so many things but it just convinces mm. us, you know, walk with us that this time around we started believing that we will be able to implement all those simple things that need to be implemented, all those simple things that we've known about them for the past five, ten years. Yeah, yeah. Just convince us. Probably that will help without trying to be creative and coming with some funny things as well. Makwe, I mean, just just a quick one. You know, the, the, there's another issue that I guess during this difficult moment becomes a bit more complex for the Treasury, which are some of the forecasts, not just of growth, but also, I guess, uh, how our debt burden, our servicing costs are, are going to shift and move in tandem uh, with uh, uh, the underlying denominator, which is, you know, our, our GDP growth. Well, what's your view on that? I mean, I remember in February and even for the special adjustment budget that uh, if you think about some of the forecasts that we put in there and maybe what we are thinking about now, uh, a lot of people would say that that is out of kilter. Yeah, and you are right. We did mention that those forecasts are not realistic. Why don't you revise them now? They took forever. And because those forecasts are misleading because you are telling us that our revenue will be better because of the economic growth. I think what we need to do this time around, I think you are allowed. I think the global average, your debt to GDP, sits around 9%. Ours might be going to 14%. It's not too bad. You know, this is the time mm. to use this opportunity to do extraordinary things. And by all means, Aya, there's no way we can grow out of this whole thing by not spending any economy for it to grow. You need to spend the past. We need mm. to verify that spending. Let it be sure. on the spending that will have multiplier effect. We mm. stop, maybe cut on this consumption kind of spending. There's no way we can sure. 
try to be smart and say we need to cut debt, cut debt. This is not mm. the time to be cutting debt. Marco? Get debt, but use it wisely. Yeah, yeah. Let's pause here for a second and take a quick spot break. When we come back, we'll continue on that score. Seven minutes it is before 8 p.m. And uh, it's our wrap of the top business stories. And I'm in conversation with Makwe Masilela. And Makwe, I really like a point you were making. And I want us to return to that theme uh, in the context of what uh, the World Bank, I guess, has put down as a conditionality here. Uh, you're suggesting that uh, the debate should not just be this thing uh, of the active scenario that the Treasury has been pushing, which is about just cutting debt. But whatever debt we should take should be about, uh, uh, you know, um, debt for investment or debt for capital spending rather than maybe uh, debt for consumption uh, and non-interest spending? True that. You know, I, uh, even with a public company or any company, if you've got leverage, you use it wisely to be able to expand. As long mm. as you know that it, the, the returns thereof will be higher than the interest rate that you have to repay, if you'll be able to generate 15% out of that and you have to repay guys 8% or so, then you are better off. And remember, we only give you debt because we see the potential that we'll be able to repay. The problem is you get the debt is that, unfortunately, it has to not yield any good returns for you. There's no multiplier effect. Guys, there's an opportunity cost if you don't spend a particular kind of money that has been allocated to you. And I stuff like that will even help even the local companies before you even can tap into the foreign direct investment expecting companies are also definitely to cut back home. We've got just so much money back home here that local companies are sitting on it because they're not just too happy with the policy certainty. So they also have to create that environment that enables businesses to go into their pockets, to go into their banks and start spending because they can understand that for them as companies also to grow, they need to expand. And as they expand, they will hire more people. But you cannot do that if the environment is not permissible. But yes, mm. it's important to spend. And I think people are just talking spending loosely. We need to start qualifying what is spending. Spending that has a multiplier effect. You look now, good that you don't have debt, mm, but at the same time, your economy is not growing. What are we trying to achieve here? To make exactly. a debt collector? Are you trying to make sure I that mean, it is to a thin budget? No, you all have to make sure that our economy grows. How else will it grow if we don't start spending properly? And even the money that gets to be allocated higher and not is being spent by the government departments, it's a huge opportunity cost, and we don't exactly. complain about that. We think, you know what, at least we didn't steal the money, at least there was no corruption. Guys, no, we can't take that approach. Exactly, because those billions, mm -hmm. they go back to the National Treasury. If they could have been mm. spent on whatever project, we could have created jobs. And we know the government are getting the better money, but the better part of their money from pay as you earn. And guys, you only get pay as you pay, pay, pay as you earn only if you're working, you know. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, Mark, I mean, some of the issues that you're raising, and you said, you know, my views on uh, this uh, pursuit of a primary surplus in 2022-23, in the context of a once-in-a-century sort of warlike type situation, we're looking to run a primary budget surplus. I mean, it certainly doesn't doesn't make sense. Uh, and maybe the economics defund But that being said, Marco, the World Bank has told our government, uh, if indeed it was to get a loan of around two billion US dollars, that uh, it has to cut the public sector wage bill and uh, commit to not bailing out insolvent state-owned companies. Now. Uh, it sounds like we're back in the 1980s, uh, the kind of conditionalities one would find in some of these structural adjustment programs. 
you know, it, it don't change. And a simple thing, I think we need to educate the World Banks, you know, of this world that, listen, in our instance, the people that we're talking about, these are the people when we were stranded, we were the first ones to think about their pension fund, to use their pension fund to try to have the very same economy, which is struggling. That talks, I think, they've shelled them for now, but chances are they will come back. That 90 billion that that is S-Compose PIC, that talks that that needs to be converted into equity. So whose money is that? Those are not the money from coming from the public servant. Or maybe they should be saying that make sure that the public servant is more productive. If get your money, you are paying them 100 rent to come and work for eight hours, please get that from them. Because instead of cutting jobs, it's a question of increasing productivity. Because I think we even forget the part of the productivity when it comes to this whole thing of driving to trying to grow our economy. It's not just about cutting or spending. But let Ayabonga, you pay him 100 rand for a day, let him give you that worth of 100 rand. That will help because productivity is key. There's no mm. point of cutting employees. So I'm saying instead of rushing there, here you are, you're going to start increasing unemployment. And yes, we don't want government to be highly involved in the market, in the economy, because the minute it does that, then automatically the economy becomes overregulated. And that's another turn off when it comes to the private investors. They don't want an overregulated economy. But I think those are the kind of talks or a narrative that the government should be starting to have. You know, that instead of just cutting that NES, if they say don't bail out state owned enterprises, you've got access which has been doing well, doing exceptionally well. They were only uh, set back by the likes of what you call it COVID. The guys are looking mm. for almost 3.5 billion for the next coming trade. So are you saying somebody like that must not be helped? Because up until I mean, COVID, the guys for the past 26 years have been doing well. So we need to qualify these things, you know, that mm. hey, don't just apply a blanket thing and say, don't bail out this, don't bail out that. Because there are, there are those state and other enterprises that still require that lifeline because they've just been performing. But unfortunately, because of situations beyond their control, they need some catching checks coming out mm. of the government. Let's talk about AXA because, I mean, you know, a lot of people are anticipating that tomorrow uh, the bailouts, um, especially in relation to SAA, <clears throat> maybe, uh, you know, uh, Danel and uh, in particular the Land Bank and uh, probably you do need some kind of bailout at this point because uh, they've said that they haven't lent out as much as they would have liked. Uh, and this coincides with planting season. And I'm quite interested, Mark, where uh, I guess uh, in the point you're making there, of course, about the uh, state-owned entity, uh, that has um, Pumimpofu at the helm, the, uh, the airports company of South Africa, which for the last 26 years or so has largely been a profitable entity. And I guess with the travel restrictions now, has certainly seen a hit on uh, some of the aeronautical revenue. I think it's a question of looking at their business plan. Take Dinel as an example. Dinel, do you have a business pipeline? Do you have deal pipelines? No. Dinel, we need to make sure that as much as now you're generating rent, that rent should be able to sustain you. It's a different story. But hey, Dinel, if we can give you five rent, we'll be able to tap into that other market. It's a different conversation. Land Bank, why are you in trouble? Why will you not be able to repay your debt and your interest? It's because of bad management. Get rid of those guys. Get someone who can be able to do that. Because if you compare that with the fact that the guys are unable to give money to the farmers and the farmers need to be growing, especially the likes of maize come the, the season now, the guys cannot tap into that. But we can see that there's a serious need to be able to help those farmers. But unfortunately, the guys say maybe they were managing this whole thing badly. Does not mean you don't have to give them money. Get rid of those people. And it's as simple as... 
cannot give you my money, Aya, if I'm not confident that you'll be able to be sustainable. I first have to be sure that you'll be able to deliver on that business plan, on those kind of targets. Then, yes, I'm happy to put in my money. And I promise you, if you get the proper business plans and proper pipelines, even the private sector will follow. They will be able to continue to buy those bonds or issued by those people or enterprises. As long as the government is continuing to take the lead. And hey, if you've got the government being the one who's trying to receive guarantees, then you know, should they fail, then the government will have to pay me. But it's very critical not to apply a blanket uh, approach mm. on these whole things because that state on the enterprises with a clear business policy. That state enterprises which, yes, they've just failed, but maybe because not just of management, but the economic conditions have changed in such a way that we probably don't need that state on enterprises. Sure, but sure. others can be just built here and there, and they don't have to be rigid, and they can continue to operate. Aren't you guys calling yourself a developmental state? Aren't you hmm. guys now dumping those those state enterprises to help? Now you're dealing with China. You're calling China the second biggest economy. Almost every second company in China, the state is state involved in it. Hmm. So basically, hmm. you are allowing us to come here as private business to compete with the government of China because you get those uh, China Bank, whatever it is, the state is involved to get some manufacturing mm. run away. The state involved. So all I'm saying, the involvement of the state is not necessarily a bad thing. The question is how does it get to be involved? And more especially, who are the people who will be supposed to be driving those entities, starting with the boards themselves, that do they really know what they're doing? Will they be able to help the executive management mm. to be able to do the right thing? So I think maybe we have to gradually start moving from this blanket approach and this other narrative that no, spending is wrong, cut that, public wage is too high, cut it. But hey, you cut it and still guys are not productive. The document that needs to be signed still stays there for three days instead of just being signed in an hour. That affects you know, the running of businesses. You have been that mm. when it comes to the, uh, the environment of doing business um, in comparison with our counterparts, we are not doing that well. Those are smaller things that we need to look at. Then I think me and you and the business, as those who are still fortunate to have a job, make sure that we increase productivity because the economy is not just about the government. It's sure, us as sure. well, the workers, to make sure that we deliver quality and at the right time as well. That should help going forward. Makwe, mm, mm. I want to talk about this company. And uh, I mean, I always say, and uh, I'm not afraid to say this, well, what are my favorites? Uh, in the marketplace, uh, the investment company based out in the Western Cape, Brimstone. And, uh, you know, these are the guys uh, who invest and give uh, our finance minister, who sits in Mahubaskluf, uh, his uh, favorite pilchards um, and a few other, I guess, uh, Ocean, uh, Ocean's economy interests. And that's Brimstone. And uh, they invested in 2005 in live healthcare. Uh, bought it at around 33 rand a share. Uh, and it seems now they set for a payday as they sell a stake there to pay down some debt. Uh, they did very well when it comes to that particular investment. They seek to, to, to cash almost over 1.3 or so billion. But now I think it's a question of they are not too happy with the economy going forward. The outlook are not just too happy. They feel that they need to reduce their debt. I mean, I check their shares, their market cap, and their preference. If you combine them, I mean, the company is at almost 1.9 billion market cap. But they've got a debt of almost four. They hope to reduce that to almost two. And remember, earlier this year, they managed to sell some of the shares from the Putumanati kind of a thing to try to raise money to pay debt. So the guys themselves, they're saying, you know what? 
will be better off if we reduce that and make sure that even if things get to prolong, the economy is not looking okay going forward, but at least we don't have this huge debt. Guys, debt is not just the capital. You know, what kills most people is people failing to pay. That's the interest component thereof. So it's very critical to make sure that you take enough debt that you'll be able to save it. And worst case scenario, if you can only just even save it, the interest coup, I mean, I mean, I mean part of the thing. I think the lenders will be happy because as mm. long as you continue to pay them and they manage to get as much interest they can get from you, then they'll be happy. They want to close it down. And Mark, when you look at an entity like this, I mean, um, you know, they're looking to pay down, potentially now they might uh, sort of be reducing their debt burden from around 4 billion to 2 billion rand or so. What's the idea there, aside from maybe, I guess, trying to narrow the gap between uh, uh, the, the share price and, of course, the intrinsic net asset value. Is it also just about also giving something back to the shareholders uh, on the back of this particular investment? Or is it about, I guess, strengthening the kitty and making sure that uh, as things improve, uh, you have enough of a war chest to be able to invest in a few acquisition opportunities? I don't think they will be having a watch because they'll be using the money to pay debt. But also what's important, giving back to shareholders, we don't expect the dividends or special dividends, but the most important thing, like you said, to reduce that discount because ordinarily investment holding companies trade at a discount to their intrinsic net asset value. But the critical thing is the discount thereof. So if you can narrow that, then the share price automatically will go up. Remember, as a shareholder, I benefit when the share price appreciates and also mm. when I get the dividends. So that will be another way to benefit me as a shareholder that at least that discount will be reduced. And hey, they still have decent investments like we mentioned in our intro. You are Sea Harvest, you are Oceana, you know. And going forward, the guy should be doing okay. Then yes, they might probably get a nice dividend flowing from there and probably they can continue to use that to be able to tap into other investments going forward. Then, Makwe, before I let you go, Subway. I mean, uh, I remember seeing these guys a lot, in, I think about five years ago. Uh, many of those, uh, you know, uh, subs they used to sell or those large sandwiches, foot-long sandwiches they used to sell. And a fascinating story here of, uh, I guess, the meteoric rise of uh, Subway franchises, uh, one of the cheapest franchises to be able to operate. Uh, and uh, they certainly made a lot of money for for the holding company, but uh, it seems now that they have in recent times uh, fallen on some tough times. And I think that's the complaint that most guys have when it comes to these franchises, you know, that we are basically working, you know, for the franchisor, you know. As you are saying, the guys were just allowed to open jobs anywhere, there were no restrictions, but hey, that was money for the franchisor because people will continue to pay franchise fees. But yeah, competition as well, it was all nice and good, taking about fresh, but now you get people who give you real fresh, not fresh that comes every week, you know. So every time you succeed as any company in any sector, you are opening yourself up to competition. And sometimes that competition can just do much better than you and you end up having a situation where you lose the market share. Or you can still continue to be the market leader, but unfortunately with them, you are feeling the heat. And as you say, those times it was a nice thing to sell. They should have managed to be able to change which they are doing now lately, you know. Your Wi-Fi, your music, changing furniture, you know, the nice feel, look, uh, feel good, you know, and that maybe will help them to at least retain some market share, but we don't expect them to continue to go back to where they were as the leaders of the industry. But I think it's 
um, careless mistakes, you know, by allowing stuff like that. That how do I end up competing with another subway, which is just around the corner, and I'm operating from here? Then it becomes just so difficult for them. But yeah, in other areas as well, they don't even succeed because areas like South Africa, we need to have them in an area where we have a serious footfall. And here, given our public transport system, it's very difficult you have to go into a mall or a shopping center to be able to get one. But in areas where the public transport is just so perfect, and you see even the likes of Starbucks not doing so well, they could be, because they have to be where you have a footfall. You cannot drive and pack a car and go and buy Starbucks, get into a, a mall or just like Subway. We need it to be on our way to wherever, whether to work or whatever, then it makes your life much easier. Hmm. Makwe, let's leave it there, my brother. I always find uh, the world of franchising very fascinating. And uh, I guess uh, if you think about some of the own sort of franchising chains, the likes of famous brands, Abu South Africa and many others, uh, that uh, there's a lot of lessons that can be learned there in that uh, journey of Subway, uh, which started all the way out in 1965. But, uh, Khodman, we'll have to leave it there, Alice Dolly, and uh, we'll certainly, I hope to check in with you after the uh, speech uh, tomorrow from the finance minister, just to hear some of your thoughts. Sweet. Hey, tada. That there was Markwe Masilela, Chief Investment Officer at Markwe Fund Managers, helping us there uh, for our business wrap.